It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognized the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. My next guest gained comfort and confidence by being better connected to the adoption community. She took on the challenge of being a guest on podcast to share a part of her journey as a domestic adoptee, and I think that's what's up. Her name is Amy Hansen. I listened to her episode with Heidi Marble, the host of Pull by the Root, and felt Amy take on the emotional labor in the telling of her story. On the Wandering Tree podcast, I again heard her be vulnerable and transparent with the host, Lisa Ann, in the hopes of helping a listener, especially another adoptee. Amy was born in 1969 and was placed for adoption at birth. She grew up in a loving family and was well cared for. The happy adoptee. She was grateful to her birth parents and adopted parents. She was always trying to make everyone happy. In this episode, Amy shares a part of her relinquishment and adoption journey, the good, not so good, and what she has learned in the last few years with reunion through DNA testing. She describes beginning to realize living behind the disguise of a happy, positive person who didn't realize the loss and grief that she was carrying. Allow me to introduce to you a person who has been intentional about choosing the opportunities to reach out to other adoptees and be a source of encouragement to them. Amy seizes the chance to participate in our community through online meetings because she has discovered that it's cathartic to be in fellowship with other adoptees. Amy, I am so excited to have this conversation with you. And let me just start with how are you doing today? Today's a great day. It's Friday. Looking forward to just a weekend of not having to do much. Yes, I know. Mm-hmm. The weekend is still like so precious to many people. Uh, you yes. get excited about Friday for sure. And even though I'm retired, I still get excited about Friday, believe it or not. So I know a little bit about your experience of late. Like I get excited when I hear about adoptees being guests on podcasts. That is fantastic because I think adoptees really need to, when they want to share their stories, to do them on as many platforms as they can. So I just want to make sure people know, well, I did one or two and maybe that's enough. Like it's it's exactly what you want to do because I did listen to two of those because they're different hosts. You shared your story, but it's like it comes in like a little bit of different spin or energy, if that makes sense. And so it's really nice to know that you have participated so much in our community. 
So I, I think we'll start there. Where did you get the confidence to do that? I think once I realized about adoption and the trauma that I feel adoptees go through and kind of learned more about that within myself, I thought this is something that took me 49 years, almost 50 years to really like even realize it was happening. And and when I started feeling, I guess, coming out of the fog is how I look at it. I really thought I was in a way going crazy, that it was just beyond the emotions that I had that I couldn't really understand. And as I joined the adoptee community and I found podcasts to listen to, I got so much comfort from knowing other people were feeling the same that I was and that I, you know, wasn't alone in this journey without other adoptees sharing their stories. I would be all alone. I wouldn't know where to turn and I would be um, just a mess, I feel like. So I feel like so many people gave me their stories to help me and it's part of me and it's my, my truth. It's my story. And I feel like I need to share it so my friends and family can kind of maybe get a glimpse and understand some of the things I'm going through and also just other adoptees to hear stories because every story I've listened to, there's been a part that I've learned something new that I can compare that I can, you know, relate to. So it's just important. And I love all the platforms out there. So I appreciate everyone who's given me the opportunity to be on their podcast and to take the time to learn my story and talk. Yes, I'm glad they had you as a guest as well. And I like when you say without other adoptees sharing their stories, you wouldn't have the, did you use the word confidence? I don't know if I used confidence, but that's a great word because without hearing other people's stories and not feeling like I was alone, that gave me more of a voice because I really felt, I feel like our, our stories, when you talk to someone who's not adopted, sometimes people look at you like, but why is this making you feel like this? Because you were just a baby. Like, how do you know you had trauma? How do you know this affected you? With having other people validating my story, I guess, has really helped. I really agree with that. I think when I was binging on podcasts a few years ago, it was like I did feel like, yeah, if if people weren't sharing their stories, I would not feel... I would say connected. I would use the word confident. As I began to feel with each episode I would listen to, you know, Adoptee Zone was the podcast that I found first, and then I found Who Am I Really? And I thought, this is fantastic, you know, to be able to hear another person's lived experience as an adopted person. I like the idea of you sharing a part of your story wherever you want to start, however much you want to share. Sure. I was adopted as an infant. As what I've been told is that there was every intention. My birth parents were in college and they, you know, had been dating and got pregnant. There was just no option of family support for um, my birth mother to keep me. So they, you know, knew that they were going to place me for adoption. 
I've always known I was adopted. I don't remember a sit down. And I I was adopted into a great, caring, loving family. I would say my childhood was typical, right? I have an older brother who is also adopted. We never talked about adoption, really. <laughs> we just always knew we were adopted. And then I have a younger sister, eight and a half years younger, who is a biological child of my adopted parents. So, you know, we had a typical childhood. As I got older, you know, got married, had a family of my own. When I had my son, I kind of realized this is the first person that I have looked at that I'm actually related to. I had always wanted to see a picture of, you know, my birth mom just to see if, you know, if I looked like someone because my adopted family, they were dark hair, dark eyes, and I was blonde, blue eyes. So it was obvious that I was not their biological child. So that was a little, you know, difficult as you're growing up to not see that. Sure. Um, and, and then I wanted to get health and medical information. I thought, here I'm having children. I don't know any of my health history, anything that I might be passing on to them. And I thought, one day maybe I should look, right? And it took a while until my kids were older, high school-ish, and we would always watch the show Long Lost Family on TLC. And they, at the end, you know, during the reunion part, they would always look over at me and they'd be like, she's crying again. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I was. And they had, you know, the ancestry DNA test and they're like, mom, you should totally do that. It would be so cool. And so I did my DNA test and found some of my biological family. Right. Yeah. You made a connection with their paternal side, right? Yeah. The first match I had was a username and it said, uh, whatever the username is, is your father. To see that on the computer screen was like, my jaw just dropped open because like, what do you do with that? Right. 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 <laughs> I was, I was in no way expecting that kind of a match. I was very excited, you know, like, what do I do next? How soon was that? between the time you submitted your DNA? Oh, so I did my DNA. I think it was like a, a, a November special around Thanksgiving. So I received it probably middle of November and I received the information before Christmas. So it really was only like four weeks. No connections were made through the portal on Ancestry to try to connect that way. I never got any response back. So that was kind of disappointing, but having matched a paternal relative, I could then sort and figure out who was my maternal side. I had a lot of matches on my maternal side and I found a cousin, a second cousin who had a really, you know, massive tree, ancestor tree. She had built a family tree. And so I reached out to her and she got right back to me and just basically said, what do you need? 
and I put some, you know, just kind of guessed at dates of what I would think because I, I knew how old my birth mom was and maybe what her, you know, parents' ages were. And this cousin got right back to me and said, I think this is your birth mom. So I started searching a little bit further and found her married name and searched Facebook <laughs> until we found her. And Facebook is a really useful tool, isn't it? <laughs> It is, you know, it's so funny because, right, people are like, are you stalking Facebook pages? I was like, when you're doing this, this is called investigating. That's what it, it is. Wasn't stalking. Yeah. Right. So I reached out through Facebook Messenger with her, and it did take probably, I'm trying to think, a good two or three weeks, I think, before she actually saw the message. And she ultimately replied to me and said that she was excited and delighted and so thrilled that I had found her. I still have that message saved because to hear those words were so amazing. It, it was so amazing to just hear her want to know me and excited that I had found her. Yeah, we, I, I remember hearing that. I think it was on the episode, well, both episodes with Heidi and also with with Lisa Ann, and I remember writing those words down because I mm -hmm. thought that was pretty special. The words were, that I believe you use, I'm thinking of um, in the podcast, Pulled by the Root, was she was shocked, amazed, and delighted. It, it just felt good to me. You know, the shocked, of course, because this was kind of unexpected, so to speak, I, I would imagine, you know, when it happened, when it first happened, but to be amazed and delighted. So I was, yeah, I, yeah, I was like that. And it stuck with you. It, you know, it stuck with you, those words that she said, which um, I, I know that was, that was a good feeling. Oh, yes. Most definitely. We connected that day. She had sent me her contact information and I made that call that day and it was great. It was, you know, just to hear her voice, to know that I have three sisters and to know that she had told my sisters about me and she had told her husband that I wasn't a secret and that one of my sisters had said, well, how do we find her? And she had said to them, well, it's not up to us because we don't want to disturb her, you know, her life. We, you know, it was my choice to place her for adoption and we can't go and find her. Mm. So I, you know, I understand that, but it was so, such an amazing experience to hear that, you know, they wanted to know me, you know, it took a long time. It took 48 years, you know, it's been five years now. Mm. So I have met everybody. One of my sisters, I've only met one time because she does not live nearby. The other two sisters, one lives actually 45 minutes from me. So she has come to family parties and she's had me to her house for, you know, graduation parties and her kids sporting events. And she's come to my kids sporting events. So it's been really fun to get to know her and her family. The sister that I've only met one time Actually, next week, my husband and I are traveling to go spend the week with them. And I'm really excited to get to know her a little bit more in depth. I'm sure. It's, it's cool to see what's possible in reunions. 
And mm-hmm. it certainly sounds like there's a lot of good possibilities with your reunion on your maternal side. Yeah, that's great. So you saw your original birth certificate because Indiana changed their adoption laws. I guess we can say recently, right? In the last five years? Yeah, four years, I think. Yeah, four or five years. Yeah, what's funny about that is that I knew, I think it was the summer actually right after I met. So it's almost five years. So I had met everyone the beginning of the year, February, and in July, it must have been July 1 or June 1st, something like that. So I did put in the request to get everything, even though I knew everything. But even getting that file and seeing my original birth certificate is something that, again, was so amazing to me, but also angers me so much. Because why, as adoptees, are we not given that? The birth certificate that I used, and I don't know what every state, you know, if it's different or not, but it didn't have the time of my birth on it. It didn't have how much I weighed at birth. It didn't have my length. You know what I mean? So it's like, it was missing. It was missing parts of my story. It was missing parts of who I am. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's so frustrating that as adoptees, and there's so many adoptees out there that don't have their original birth certificate who just are fighting for it. And they know who their biological family members are and the state still won't release it to them. Yeah. Which just breaks my heart. Yeah, mine too. It breaks my heart too. And and many of us adoptees did not find our birth parents alive when we learned of their identity And yet still the adoption agencies and you name it say that we still don't have a right to this information. I'm like, who are they protecting? You know, I'm in my late fifties and like everybody's pretty much gone. So like, what is this protection thing? Right. Yeah. It doesn't make much sense. Correct. And to me, all that does for adoption just puts the secret right? It's, it's still a secret. Like mm-hmm. you're just a secret and secrets aren't good. You know, they're really just not a good thing to keep secrets and information from people. And it just puts that stamp on adoptees feeling like they're not worth having very basic information that is them. It's, right. it's ours. If we weren't here, it wouldn't exist. So it's our information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. So I know a little bit about your paternal side and you Mm -hmm. want to share with the audience how that went or is going? Sure. So my birth father, I I knew with my non-identifying information that he was also an adopted as a child. So when I got confirmation from my birth mother, who, who he was, I was able to locate him and I sent him a letter He called me the day he received the letter and he was very, I mean, the first words out of his mouth was, I can't believe how easy it was for you to find me. Mm. And that kind of, that really hurt. And then he kind of rattled off, oh, you know, I have a shoulder injury or I have this and just very basic kind of information. And I think the way I kind of reacted to him was like, well, thank you. And, you know, I really don't expect anything from you. I just, you know, wanted to know 
where I come from, medical history, and I would love to get to know you. And he kind of softened up then a little bit. I think, you know, I'm sure it's a shock for adopted parents who place kids and they get the phone call and they don't know. I mean, I think most of us all have good intent and our hearts are just open, just hoping to be able to get a glimpse and just build a relationship. So I can understand like that standoff kind of position, but he did soften and we communicated back and forth a little bit through text messages and phone calls. And I did meet him at one time over, I went to where they live and I met for breakfast. His wife came and she was very, I don't know, she didn't seem like she was really super thrilled about developing a relationship, but I think she knew it was important maybe for him to see me and meet me. And the one comment at the end of our meeting, I asked for a picture and she had said, I don't want to see this posted on Facebook. And I thought, okay, you know, obviously she's not all in and is very hesitant about this relationship. So I think he then struggled to kind of keep the relationship going a little bit because he didn't have a support system in his wife is what I'm guessing. That's I don't know what if that's I'm the guessing truth. too. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And so we really haven't been communicating. I had then sent him a letter after, after we communicated for quite a bit, you know, and then he kind of just, he was more interested in texting or calling and just telling me all about his world. And he never really asked about what was going on in my life, never really asked about what was going on with my kids and anything. So I was like, you know, this to me is not, like, this is not what I'm looking for in a relationship or even a friendship. Like, you know, I, I was like, I want to be friends with someone like that who was just more interested in telling me all about them and not really <laughs> having that back and forth. Right. You know I mean? Yeah. I know exactly so... what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> like why wouldn't someone, if they want me to be interested in them, why wouldn't they want to be interested in me? Yeah. Right. Right. So I sent a letter just basically saying that I felt we weren't really connecting and that he was very uh, you know, it was kind of a one-sided relationship that I was really putting in all the effort. He wasn't really inquiring about my life and what was going on. And I said, it didn't seem as if he was interested. And I said, the ball is in your court. I said, I am still open to continuing to talk and everything. You know, you just let me know. And I got no response. I didn't text him on his birthday or call him on his birthday. And he had sent me a text saying, I can't believe, or he said, you must have missed that it was my birthday yesterday since I didn't receive any contact from you. And I thought, this is so bizarre. Like, this is just, who does that, yeah. right? So I replied, oh, you know, I'm sorry about that. I Did you get my letter? Because I was thinking, well, maybe he didn't get my letter, understanding that I was stepping back. And that if he wanted to reach out, I was open to that. And he responded, yes. Oh, he got the letter. He he did get it. He got the letter. He responded, yes. And that was the last time I've spoken to him. So. Sounds like he (laughs) felt that you should have just been over backwards. Yeah. Like. Right. Yeah. Like that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. 
So I, you know, it, it makes me sad and I, it, it upsets me. It makes me sad when I think about it, but then I have to go back and I have to think if this was someone, like I said before, that I was trying to have a friendship with or a relationship with, that's not the type of person that I would surround myself with, Right. you know? And so as hard as it is, because it's my dad, I have to look at it that way so that it doesn't upset me so much. I mean, I am thankful that I was able to meet him face to face once and to be able to see him. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't give that up, but moving forward, he would have to reach out and kind of take a little bit more of a lead, I guess, Mm -hmm. to build this relationship back up. But again, I don't know if it's him. I I kind of, I mean, I don't want to throw his wife under the bus, but also I think he's a grown man. And then if this, if a relationship with me is important, I I would think he could make it happen. You know? Yeah. I would imagine that she's playing a part in how he's responding. Yes. I've heard that be the case many times. This, um, it seems like wife being threatened by by the relationship that could possibly happen with you and your birth father, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And I do have a, a brother, a half brother on my paternal side as well. And he has no interest in getting to know me either. So I Here we that, are. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's unfortunate because mm-hmm. I think adoptees are some of the most extraordinary people that anybody will ever meet. And uh, it really is to their disadvantage not to get to know us. I have some of that I sense on my paternal side. Not that interested, I'll say, in getting to know me. Um, mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Right. So, yeah, it's like, oh, why wouldn't they want to get to know me? <laughs> you right. Know? right. I know. I'm like, it's five years almost now. <laughs> it's probably five years since we first communicated. I'm thinking, have I not proven myself over the past five years? I'm not a threat. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so I'll still give it time. We'll see. But, you know, as people age, you run out of time. And mm-hmm. to me, it's just so sad to think that we might miss out on learning more about each other. Exactly. So I take Mm -hmm. it he hasn't even explored his relinquishment and adoption. Right. And that's one thing I did put in the letter. I was like, I'm really shocked that you being an adopted person, that you don't have some almost like sympathy, empathy, Mm -hmm. you know, with me. And then I did say, it was funny because I said, well, why you did ancestry DNA? Like, why did you do that? And he said, well, cause your brother wanted to know like lineage and, you know, ethnicity and all of that. And I'm thinking, so he only wanted to like explore up the tree. Right. <laughs> Here I am. Right. And yeah. I was like, that just, it blew my mind. I'm like, you only want to know what is good for you, but Finding me on the tree was not a plus. 
Yeah, I remember oh. hearing you say that, and I thought, wow, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, he just wanted to know up the tree. When actually, yeah. and maybe this is the adoptee in me, I just want to know the truth. Like, just like right. every side of it, every which way, I want to know that. Yeah. Mm. How do your kids, how do your children feel about the reunions? My kids are so excited, especially with my, you know, birth mom and her husband. And and that's a thing too, right? Her spouse, he is amazing. Without him, there wouldn't be a great relationship. He is so in our lives and wants to be a part of it and tries to, you know, initiate getting together. He loves doing projects with my husband on some rental houses we have. And it's just great. It's honestly great. My kid, they've come to so many different things. My girls both play college soccer. They would travel to go and see their games. They've just been a huge part of our family. Everyone has just welcomed them and and are just happy to have, you know, an extra grandparent in their life. Right. So, yeah, that, yeah. that's wonderful. That mm-hmm. Well, I definitely want to ask you about how meaningful it's been to be connected to the adoption community. And I know you shared with me that you recently participated in an online retreat with Anne Heffron. You want to talk about that? Oh, my goodness. There were 16 of us on, you know, it's Zoom. It's through Zoom. So it's funny to think that we were able to gain such connection with one another. The ages were from 22 to 70. That was the gap. So over 50 years of people who were adopted talking about how adoption has affected their lives. An incredible experience. I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm... Scouring, like, okay, who's going to have one in person? Because <laughs> I would love to go in person and just be able to be surrounded. The energy, you know, it's like the energy of being with other people, even though our experience, our stories are different. Everyone has a different experience or story, but the emotions and the feelings of connection with each other was so strong. It just was incredible. And Anne did a, an amazing job just facilitating and, and having us work together and learn and explore our own inner adoption. I don't want to say issues, but they're kind of issues. <laughs> just our own adoption journey, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing. Yeah. Really incredible. I put myself out there. Mm-hmm. I, I read about it. I talked to my husband and he was, he, he is so supportive. He was like, you absolutely should do it. I mean, that was the first thing he said. He was like, I think that would be amazing because he knows how important the adoptee support groups have been for me. Just being able to connect with our community. There are so many lovely adoptees out there helping each other, just sharing experiences, sharing like positive quotes, just, you know, everything. They're just great. Yeah. So I'm, I feel so lucky that I was able to come across these Facebook groups and find adoptees because it's been tremendous. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, I started going to conferences in person back in 2000, like 2011. I would go every year and wow. it was just something 
magical, I'll say, about being in the room, a lot of adoptees together and hanging out in workshops yeah. and, and after the workshops in the evening, just something pretty special about being able to do that. And of course, with the pandemic, I've been doing a lot of Zooms for the last couple of years, and that's been fantastic too. I have been using the word better connected to the community mm -hmm. since the pandemic because before that I wasn't doing Zoom. You know, I wasn't doing online right. at all. And I feel like so many people I have really gotten to know, even though we haven't been in person. And so, yeah, it's something special to be able to go to a conference. So I hope you'll be able to do that in the near future, to be in person. Right. Yeah. I know the one at the end of the month. That would be awesome, but it just doesn't work for me this year. But definitely, I'm going to put that on a to-do list for sure yeah. at the top. Good. You'll, you'll enjoy it. I did want to ask you, has there been anything challenging about being connected to the community? You know, when I first started connecting and finding, you know, Facebook groups and reading posts, where people maybe weren't as, I don't know what you want to say, kind, I guess kind would be. Mm -hmm. That was a little disheartening when I, I first started joining the community and diving in. But as I feel like over the years, it's probably been five years, four or five years, I feel like over the years, and maybe it's just the groups that I've connected with, I see less and less of that we're so passionate, right, about our story mm -hmm. and what we believe true for us. However, I can't argue with words you say based on your life experience or based on your feelings. Like, I, there's no reason I should argue if we disagree that your feelings are one way and my feelings are another way. Right. To me, it's, it's just, that's what it is. That's life. We need to respect each other we need to listen and hear because I think we learn a lot from other people if we can just listen and be respectful. There was actually a woman at the retreat, which was really funny in a way. We went into a breakout room and we were putting together a list of things that adoption, kind of like how it affected us, like whether it be illness or whatever, we're putting this whole list together. And she goes, wow, I don't feel like any of those things has affected me. Like I had a really good adoption, mm -hmm. you know, Right. but no one jumped on her and said, what are you talking about? <laughs> of course it did. No one did. That's her experience. Right. Like you can't say adoption caused this in you. We can't say that because maybe it hasn't. That's you so know? true. I'm, I'm glad you shared that. What's been coming up for me lately, just in life period is to stay curious. For me, when someone shares something that maybe I don't understand or it doesn't resonate at all or I, I need more clarity about it, that my responsibility to myself and to them is to stay curious instead of why would they say that or why would they think that? The, question, the new question is there must be a really good reason. You know, like there must right. be a really good reason they feel that way or think that way. And I'm just going to stay curious. So I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think in this world, right, outside of adoption too, I think that's what we're struggling with as a society is just 
being respectful to other people's opinions and not being rude to one another. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we and live I- on this earth and we can all live harmoniously and disagree on certain things. It's okay. Yeah. That's what makes things And allowing space for how people feel differently. Because there's a lot we don't know about their experience. We know maybe some things, but it's always a bigger picture. And yeah, it's no, it's just a time to listen and hold space, I think. Yeah, even when we may not agree. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think part of that, for me, realizing that is when I started feeling some of the, um, loneliness or emotions or sadness about my adoption when people who knew me would say, but you've always said you had a a great childhood. You always said, you know, it made me realize that we can be upset and we can be sad, but we also could feel happy that we had a good childhood and a good family and, and that we were well cared for. Those two things can coexist. Mm -hmm. And I've had a, a, co-worker say to me when we've talked about this she would say yeah I understand why you would be sad and everything but why are you now because you now know your birth family so like that's supposed to make it all better right because now I've met them and I know them and it should be okay it should erase everything (laughs) I was like so when people say that to me that just makes me like you said more curious and more respectful because I don't want to put that on someone else. That makes you feel horrible that my feelings are negated because now I've, I've met my family and it should be okay now. Mm -hmm. Like all those feelings as an adopted person that I struggled with should just go away, that they're not important anymore. You know, that's very hurtful. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the whole original birth certificate subject, even though you may be in reunion, a person adoptee may know have a lot of answers to their chapter one at the beginning and if they don't have their original birth certificate it's like some people think you know things already you know but it's different every little piece is its own thing you know its own space and I think because we've gone many times decades of not knowing not having answers that yeah we want to we want to know everything (laughs) we want to see everything (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, well, is there anything I haven't asked, asked you that you want to share? I just, I guess I want to say to adoptees is that when you are starting to like learn your journey or you're on your journey and you might start having questions or feelings that it's okay. And that You can be happy and you can be sad about situations all at the same time and that it's a continuous up and down. Some days I think, man, I have this, like I've got my emotions under control, like I can do this. And then, you know, my husband and I might be having a conversation and that might just trigger me into tears Mm -hmm. and I'll be like, what's wrong? And it just makes me think, wow, I missed out on that you know, as an adoptee, not having that. And that still brings me down. It makes me sad. So I think we have to 
understand that it's not going to be like receiving your original birth certificate is not going to solve everything. Meeting your birth family is not going to solve everything. That it's a constant, you know, work in progress and that take the good with the bad and just keep persevering and find the support people out there that can help you because it is so validating to talk with other you know, adoptees or even people in your life who can just listen and who can hear you and who want to learn from you because that's all we can do. Keep talking, keep sharing, and hopefully, hopefully more people will hear the message going forward and we can all not have to like make excuses of why we're upset about things. Right. It could just be, you know, understood that adoptees are going to have some of these feelings. Yes, so well stated. Yeah, thank you for that. And and I'm just so thrilled that you are using your voice because everybody doesn't listen to every podcast. And you are sharing your story, just like you said earlier, because it is through other adoptees sharing their stories that you you found a lot of benefit and value in that, hearing them share their stories. So you're doing that. Yeah, you're doing that. And so yay for you. And I hope you'll continue to do that. And I look forward to staying connected to you and in fellowship. And it would be wonderful to see you in person one day at a conference that that you'll be able to attend and I can can meet you there. That yeah, no, that would be incredible. And (laughs) I also want to thank you because it's with without these platforms that so many adoptees or adopted people are, you know, doing, we, we wouldn't have this, the space to hear and understand. And it was funny because my husband was asking me, he's like, all these podcasts that you're doing <laughs> or listening to, and he listens to a lot too. He's like, what more? Like, why? <laughs> and I was like, cause I feel like, you know, every platform, every, I feel like every episode I've done with people, I mean, sure there's some crossover, but I feel like another message is learned, is, Absolutely. is heard. Yeah. He's like, are, is there like competition? I said, no. no. I said, we're all, <laughs> we're all here for the same purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but um, it's so true. Like everyone knows everyone. And I know you did Lisa and monitoring tree podcast and mm-hmm. she did yours. Yeah. Like that was amazing. That was just incredible. So without all the podcasters out there doing this, it it would be difficult to to connect, I think too. Yeah. So thank I, you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think it's um just a movement going on right now and I know I was looking at a list of podcasts and I think they're they're just constantly being created and I I personally think it's great because like Damon Davis once told me I mean there are a lot of adoptees in the world (laughs) he could not have every one of them on as a guest so I I think it's really good to have these different platforms for us to center the conversation basically that's it yeah absolutely and and keep it coming you know we just need this movement just needs to keep growing. And it has, I mean, it's incredible since I've, you know, began connecting. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really grown. Yeah. It's really taken off. 
And I just thank you so much once again for having this conversation. It's been fantastic. I agree. Thank you so much. Amy credits the podcast she listens to for helping her better navigate her adoption journey. She appreciates that she was given the time and space to be a guest on these platforms. I have no doubt that each podcast host appreciates her generous participation, too. I encourage you to listen to her in all the places she has shared her story, because they each provide meaningful and purposeful exchanges between Amy and the host. I'm certain that it won't be long before I'll be in the same room with Amy, because she has already set the intention to meet adoptees face-to-face in the near future. I couldn't agree more that everyone's experience is theirs, and the different perspectives make our community what it is. Diverse, inclusive, a place to agree, and hopefully more than enough room to disagree. As I lean into being curious, I embrace thinking, that person must have a good reason in their mind as to why they feel or think the way they do. I want to stay curious about what that reason is. As we grow in our understanding of what happened to us through relinquishment and adoption, we create possibilities to see things in new ways, perhaps in a better way. Amy took the action of reaching out to both sides of her biological family to see what was possible. Rejection by her birth father was heartbreaking, and a paternal brother not wanting to get to know her is hard news to take too. But she reconciled a level of acceptance of that. With her birth father, she set boundaries through a letter and a conversation with him. I can appreciate having to overcome the challenge of making that decision and the necessity of it. Though Amy might not have had a happy experience with her paternal side and reunion, she does wholeheartedly embrace what she does have with her maternal side. I smile at the thought of a birth mother who, upon meeting Amy, was shocked, amazed, and delighted that they were reunited. This time, the subject of acceptance wasn't bitter, but sweet. Thank you, Amy, for having this conversation with me. From the time we chatted by phone and got to know each other better, I felt your sincerity in being committed to positively participating in the adoption community with your gifts. I can't think of a better way to pay it forward than what you have done to help others see their personal story better, be inspired through your bravery, and lean into being able to say, if she can do it, I can too. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash adopteeland. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community. Thank you so much for being here.